0: If you're a more energetically sensitive creative or entrepreneur who's ready to transform your sensitivities into your superpowers so that you can spend more time in the flow and less time in the internal struggle, then you've come to the right place. The Empathic Entrepreneur podcast with me, Anna Stokes, is a business and marketing podcast where we uncover the roadblocks that most energetically sensitive entrepreneurs and creatives face on their journey to success. And how to move past these blocks to live a more purpose driven and energetically aligned life. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Empathic Entrepreneur Podcast. I am your host, Anna Long Stokes. I am back from our month long, five weekish long trip to Barcelona. And We are back on the super rainy Oregon coast. I'm just trying to enjoy it, enjoy the festivities, put up the tree early this year, decorated the mantle above the fireplace, and I'm just trying to enjoy cozying up as much as possible before we head to Costa Rica for a couple of weeks in mid to late December. I turned 40 December 14th. Oh my God. I turned 40. Um, and just to prove that age is just a number, I will be in Costa Rica doing a surf camp for a week, which I'm super excited about and hopefully in good enough shape for, and then we are going to be, uh, kicking it in Costa Rica. We'll be in Costa Rica for about another week through Christmas enjoying some weather, and getting things in order for whatever is next with our Costa Rican condo, whether that is us selling it or really sprucing it up for other renters. So I'll keep you in the loop on that. Um, But today I wanted to talk a little bit more about my journey into energy and energy work in January, I am launching my empathic energy management 101 class and I thought that a little bit of a series related to my own personal story of energy would be interesting for you. So, how is the empathic energy management system energy work di- different than other types of energy work and how or why did I land on teaching this style of energy work? So really, I wanted to do a couple episodes this month, little short series of podcasts and blogs, just related to my journey with energy work and what led me to this particular modality, how it's different from any other method I've worked with, and some of the things I've used energy for, the symptoms I've treated, as well as um, the things that I've brought into my life. And maybe talk a little bit also about why I keep doing it, even when it's hard sometimes. So in today's post, I wanted to share a bit about this journey and a little bit about learning to manage my energy learning to heal the energy body. Sometimes I take for granted the journey that I've been on, or I assume that others like you have been following it as closely as me. But of course, that is not the case. So today I'm hoping to share more about my journey. And we all have a unique journey into our, um, whatever you want to call it, our spiritual side, our spiritual awakening that time in our lives when we really realize that we are more than just a body in this lifetime. So I want to share a little bit about my unique journey and this unique modality. So let's dive in. So what most people don't realize about energy is that it's malleable, it's ever-changing, and that it can and should be managed. You don't hear about that a lot, like manager energy. <laughs> People talk about managing their schedules, managing their weight or their blood sugar. If you think about it, there's like a metric or method of management for most things in our life. But we don't really hear much about that in relation to energy. The challenging part, and this is where most people get confused, is that our society has yet to fully embrace the existence of the energy body. And without embracing the existence of an energy body, and what I mean by energy body is, um, I mean a couple of things by energy body. Energy body, when I talk about the energy body, In a way, I'm talking about your spirit. I'm talking about the part of you that transcends the physical body, the part of you that has lived many lifetimes. That's one way I'm talking about the energy body, because that energy body continues to exist even when the body fails us. But when I'm also talking about energy body, I'm very much talking about the energy that runs through the body while you're here, while you're alive the uh, channels, the energy channels. If you know much about Chinese medicine, so much of that is about energy channels and points or the chakra system. If you know much about chakras, it's it can be vague to talk about energy because if you think about it, energy is everything. But for the sake of the work I do and what I talk about mostly on this podcast, I'm really talking about energy as the part of you. That transcends this lifetime, transcends your body, but also about the energy that runs through the body and working energy while you're in the body, not just while you're in spirit, so that you can make changes in your life that benefit you in all areas of your life. So it can be frustrating as someone who does energy work or understands energy to see how much our society has separated out Energy from our day to day life, the belief in energy, the management of energy. You know, there are entire cultures and religions that not only recognize the energy body, but that have created medical models that treat energy first and foremost, knowing that if you can get to the root of the disease through energy, you can cause physical change and healing on the physical body. So, my first experience with working with energy to bring about healing was when I was about 14 and I went to see a medical intuitive with my mom. And I've talked about this a little bit in some of my podcasts. I really liked going to this intuitive. I remember she just had this purple office and kind of odd, herby smells in the air. And she always wore this dark, charcoal eyeliner. And, you know, I, I never felt judged by her, which was rare because I felt judged by uh, most people in the small religious town that I grew up in. And, you know, she would do things with her hands and with energy. And I didn't understand at all what she was doing, but I always felt very understood by her in a way that I didn't feel understood by most people. And after a session, she told my mom that I would be a good candidate to sign up for her women's healing group. And my mom has always been super open-minded to everything like this. We grew up hearing stories about her and her sisters doing seances in their house and sometimes scary things happening. Sometimes them having spirit visitors, but also at their core, like if they were ever in danger, really taught us to call on our guides and our angels. And um, I've always been really fascinated with spirit guides and angels from a young age. I've also really been fascinated with um, death and um, the death rebirth cycle. And I remember being fascinated with this from a very young age. And I remember going into that office when I was 14 and coming out and feeling seen when this clairvoyant had let my mom know that I would be a good fit for this healing group. Um, I remember thinking like, oh, like this is why I'm here. Like it was just a flicker in my mind. Like I felt like everyone else knew why they were here. Other kids were really interested in different professions or different hobbies. And I felt very unhappy and lost most of my childhood. And when I started down this path of energy work, I remember something shifting inside me. I was having a lot of anger in my life, and I remember that anger subsided, and I started to open my mind to the possibility that I had more control over my life than maybe I had given myself credit for. So I'm pretty sure most kids don't grow up in a setting like this. And so I was lucky when I was brought into this intuitive and when my mom agreed that this women's healing group would be good for me. I don't really remember how long I was in this group, but I do remember loving it. I remember that we did a spirit journey to meet our animal spirit guides and learned how to heal using colors and counting. And I likely learned many other things that I have since forgotten, but I continued to use her healing techniques for years on friends and family, but I really didn't have any intention of becoming a professional psychic reader or healer. In fact, I figured if I was that naturally talented, then I wouldn't even have to take classes and everything would fall into place and blah, blah, blah. And I I was wrong about that. (laughs) I have taken a lot of schooling and done a lot of work around this, and I still feel like it's my life's work. And I'll be talking about that more probably in part two. But either way, I uh, really quite actively accessed my healing until I was probably about 18 and went off to college. And I think I just sort of forgot about that whole thing, forgot about that part of myself. And it wasn't until I was living in Chicago after receiving my master's degree that um, the doors began to open again for me. And if you listen to my Halloween episode where I talk about my experience with out-of-body beings, then you'll remember that the death of my grandmother seemed to open a door for a remembrance of my abilities to sense energy, to sense energy at levels that weren't necessarily normal, or that at least if they were normal, people weren't talking about. And at the time, I didn't really know what to do, um, how to process it, who to go to. I went to a massage therapist that did Reiki, and I told her I felt like I was being called to pursue this work. And I remember her telling me that she had had a similar experience, and she sort of warned me that once I opened the door, there was no going back and that my whole life would change. And that was a little foreboding and the idea of that scared me. You know, I, I had my master's degree, I was in a relationship with a very nice guy and I had a career and my life seemed very much on the quote unquote right track. So what would happen if I opened up this hidden door, if I started doing energy work? Would I find something that would cause all of this to crumble I had questions. I didn't want to take any big leaps. I rented some energy workbooks from the library and I did what most people do. I just sort of studied it. I I read about the spirit body connection. I intellectualized everything to try to find answers and to try to control what felt out of control and unknown to me. And you know you might see me now teaching classes and doing readings and doing this podcast, being very open about the work I do, but it was absolutely not always the case. I mean, I had weird energy things happening to me, and I hid them for most people, like I didn't want someone to take my Clinical social work license away because I was deemed unfit because I was seeing dead people and hearing voices and consciously floating out of my body having astral projection experiences. I knew I was having experiences, but for the most part, I was scared and didn't know how to process them. And at the time, I was living in Chicago and there happened to be actually a big psychic institute there. And I could have tapped into that, Um, but I didn't have any awareness of that at the time. It was all years later. So I just kept going to my job and reading books at night, and then eventually I signed up for a part-time skincare aesthetics program because it seemed a lot safer than diving headfirst into energy work. I could have a job that was tactile and a little more active and creative than I felt my social work job would allow me to be. And I wasn't sure what would come of it, but I just remember having this conversation with myself that I needed to do something. I couldn't keep going down the road. I was going down with the desk job and the social work. And I knew I needed a change. Um, But diving headfirst into energy was just way too much for me right then. So aesthetics was that gateway. So a year later, I graduated my aesthetics program and I felt a little bit more comfortable with the concept of energy work and pursuing it. And my partner at the time and I moved out to Portland, Oregon. I really wanted to close the chapter um, of Chicago. I knew that was not my, my city for my next steps. then my sister lived in Portland and it seemed like a chill city. And I just had this feeling that in Portland, I could explore whatever I wanted and no one would judge me. And I was right about that. I could explore energy work. I could explore entrepreneurship. And Once I got settled in, I began to research my next steps and I got a part-time social work job and I started a wee little skincare studio out of my laundry room in my duplex. And I began just sort of hunting for what was next. And then somehow I, I, I literally think I saw a poster, which is also how I ended up in social work. Like apparently I'm very receptive to posters, (laughs) you're not going to get me on social media marketing. You're going to get me on like a poster outside the bathroom while I'm waiting in line because I have a small bladder and I always have to pee. So I think I saw a poster and I stumbled on a Chinese medicine and Korean bodywork program that piqued my interest. And I liked the idea of fusing what I had learned in my skincare work with Chinese medicine. And you know, it seemed kind of like a well-trodden path. I mean, hadn't the Chinese been researching and using this system for thousands of years? Like the analytical side of me liked the idea of pursuing something that could be explained, that had a merit behind it. So looking back on it, I was quite afraid of being judged still. And I'll talk more on this later, but that came really not from my family as much as from past lives where I was judged and persecuted for pursuing the energetic arts. And I think if you're on this path yourself, you might find you have sensations that are similar or fears that come up and you don't know where they come from. And oftentimes this is just past life karmas that need to be processed and cleared. So I ended up signing up for this program and I spent almost three years retraining my mind and body to understand energy in a new way. In Chinese medicine, you study energy patterns. You take into consideration tangible, physical signs, such as the pulse. Is it taut, fast, slow, deep, surface, level? You, you look at the tongue. Is it carpeted, scalloped, pale? And you look at the more, phys- more obvious physical symptoms, such as whatever the client came in with, but you, you don't treat a symptom. You learn to treat patterns, energetic patterns. So you take the information that's available to the touch or to the eye, and you compile a diagnosis that can be treated through acupuncture, or in my case, acupressure, herbs, nutrition, movement and you don't simply treat something like back pain you would treat the yin deficiency which is like the pattern or the diagnosis that maybe you've arrived at that's causing the back pain so it took me i remember it took me like about 6 months to to literally be able to just wrap my brain around learning to see these larger patterns um this holistic approach as opposed to pulling apart everything to its most minute element the way western medicine does. And I mean, you know, talk about holistic, the entire chinese medicine model is based on looking at the whole person and treating the whole person. Um, not simply treating like a symptom of the whole person. And I I did I enjoyed learning about chinese medicine, but something about this as a career wasn't fully aligned for me, even though I'd spent a chunk of cash and time learning it. Um, Chinese medicine treats the energy body first and foremost, and then the changes move outwards into the physical body. And what I now understand is that Chinese medicine is amazing at helping all the energy pathways in the body to realign and work together. And it helps to create balance within the body so that one can see measurable changes outside of the body. But something about this model was a little austere for me. It felt very masculine. And coming from the mental health background I had come from, there was something about it that didn't feel as much like it treated uh, the spirit or the emotional body, which is interesting. I think everyone assumes that all alternative medicines really focus on the spirit. And even in Chinese medicine, there are points that are spirit points. So it's not that at one point, it didn't work that way, but I found it to be in practice. It didn't quite align with the more spiritual side of me. And that's just my personal experience. If you do Chinese medicine, you have your own personal experience. And I still love using Chinese medicine, going to acupuncturists. It's just not something I felt aligned with making a career for myself. So after graduating the program, I just kept searching I knew I still had more to learn. I also had taken three Reiki trainings over the course of about a year and a half while I was in that Chinese medicine program. One was when I first moved to Portland and the others were scattered throughout my three-year, my three-year program. And Reiki is often the gateway for many people on the path to work more deeply with energy Mostly because, this is my theory, mostly because it's easy to learn, it's widely marketed, and one can begin working with it after just a short weekend class, where you learn to activate the Reiki symbols and begin working with the energies. So I liked how easy Reiki felt, unlike Chinese medicine, where I had to spend many years learning the ins and outs of the energy, the organs, the patterns, The points, herbs, Reiki was pretty easy. (laughs) It's like, show up, here's your activations. Okay, practice. Okay, go out into the world and do it. (sighs) Something about the ease in this resonated with me. And also, clients would feel better after I'd work on them. But just like with the Chinese medicine, something wasn't fully connecting for me with Reiki. It felt a little fuzzy. And while I didn't have the words at the time, it was quite out of body. It's was quite out-of-body healing experience, and I wasn't sure what exactly I was channeling, and was I really healing myself in the process? Was I grounded as I was doing it? Grounding was such an afterthought with Reiki. For me, just, there wasn't enough answers. For me, there were too many Reiki practitioners who I saw running around who Seemed really drained and kind of just trying to heal the world, just sort of a very out-of-control energy. Again, I didn't really have the words. I just knew that the whole thing was a little bit unappealing to me. So, you know, during all this, I I continued to work, Reiki. I performed energy work almost every day on my facial clients. It was a part of what you got when you booked and you had a facial with me. It started as Reiki, but then it began to shift once I learned more about palpating the body and understanding how to move energy more physically with my hands. I began to do this energetic unwinding with my clients that felt really easy to me and very relaxing to them. Um, it was just sort of a blend of what I had learned so far. So at that point, I would really just consider myself an energy worker but I still wasn't really identifying myself as an empath or as a clairvoyant or psychic. So the hunt continued. <laughs> and after about a year of starting my brick and mortar beauty business, this is my, my bigger one, not the small one out of my house, but the bigger one that went on to be my million dollar company. About a year into starting that, I found a meditation class geared towards people who identified as being more on the intuitive or psychic side. And at the time, I didn't actually identify as being psychic, but I knew that I needed something and I knew I was intuitive. I felt drained of energy a lot of the time. I had a team of people working for me. I had clients I needed to make happy. I was working way too much. I cared too much about what people thought. And I had really high standards for myself and others really that weren't attainable. So to put it simply, I just wasn't that happy. And I knew that the answer didn't lie in making more money or going on another trip or finding a new partner. At this time, I was married to my wonderful husband. So I was actually happy in that relationship, which side note, my life did blow up (laughs) once I took the Reiki training and everything did change. Um, But anyway, I'm happy with where I'm at now. So side note, uh, the massage therapist was right. So I knew at this time that I needed to learn more about myself and my energy and how to just live with myself. And I know that might sound funny, Like, shouldn't we know how to live with ourselves? But the issue was that I didn't. I had spent my whole life running and distracting myself from actually sitting with myself in my own energy. And when I look at why, the best answer I can come up with is that I didn't like myself. I was judgmental without meaning to be. I assumed that I knew what was best for everyone. I think a lot of well-meaning social workers can relate to this. And I didn't know how to relax or hang out alone. I preferred working all the time or spending time with other people because then I could focus on them and not me. And I, you know, who really wants to look at themselves? I don't know a lot of people who do. I think things are changing a bit, but let's be honest, most people don't really want to look at themselves. So eventually I knew it was time. It was time to look at myself. It was time to enter the ring I had been circling for years. And what was in the ring? Well, I was in the ring. (laughs) And it was time for me to face myself. And that's when I found out what was next. And that's where things really began to get exciting for me. So stay tuned for part two of my journey into energy, where I'm going to dive a little deeper into how I transitioned from being an energy worker into a clairvoyant and what it's what it was like you know, some of the programs I took and really how I began using clairvoyance and energy work as a means of getting my life working for me. Okay, darlings. So stay tuned for part two. In the meantime, if you want to check out this empathic energy management course, if it's piqued your interest, Um, I'm going to put a link in the show notes. Also, if you follow me on Instagram, there'll be a link in my bio to that and you can check it out. Class starts January 15th. I'm super excited. And if you sign up before January 1st, there is a little, um, incentive of joining my, um, my four part abundance class, which is just a downloadable class at this point. It's something I did in the past. But um, if you join the Empathic Energy Management class by January 1st, you'll get free access to that as well, which is a great way to bring in more abundance for yourself as we move into 2023. Okay, I can't wait to connect with you soon. Stay tuned for episode two. Hopefully it'll launch in the next week as well. I'm trying to trying to keep on it. Uh, thanks for listening today, everyone. Have a good day. Thanks for listening to the Empathic Entrepreneur Podcast with me, Anna Longstokes. For more information on these and many other topics, or to contact me for a consultation, please visit www.empathicpreneur.com. That's empathicpreneur.com. Or check out the show notes for direct links. And hey, If you like this podcast, please remember to take a minute to leave a review and to share with a friend. Until next time, keep creating.